Our first reading for this first Sunday after Christmas comes from Galatians chapter 4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We read the gospel according to St. Luke, the second chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for the revelation of the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and prayer day and night. And coming up that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. I want to reread a few words from Galatians chapter 4, beginning at verse 4. God sent forth, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, 
born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. It's good to see everybody tonight as we come together again this Saturday evening and tomorrow Sunday morning to do what we've always been doing this past year. And for many of us, perhaps most of us, most of the years of our lives, to worship the creator of time and the fulfiller of time. I don't know if you've ever thought about a definition of time. Here's a dictionary definition the indefinite continued progress of existence and events in the past, present, and future. Think about that phrase, the progress of existence and events. Have you ever thought of yourself as being part of this universal progress of existence and events? Like a river of life flowing along. Have you ever asked yourself, does it have a purpose? Is there a design and a goal for all of this, all of this existence and this progress of life? Tomorrow will be 12-31-23. And some people have noticed that that's 1-2-3-1-2-3. Are these just random coincidences as we look at all the numbers of life, the numbers of the universe, and the numbers of time? Or are they a sign of the infinite intelligence and the infinite creative ingenuity of our God? Do we deny Him? Do we ignore Him? No, we know that we are called here together tonight and always to fear to love and trust in God, the creator of this universe, the creator of time, and the fulfiller of time. So what does this phrase that Paul uses in the fullness of time really mean? Well, the Bible gives us some important dates. For example, St. Luke tells us that Jesus ministered in the 15th year of the reign of the Roman Emperor Tiberius Caesar. Using dates like that, scholars such as Isaac Newton calculated that Jesus was born in the year 748 from the founding of Rome. About 500 years after the time of Jesus, there was a monk by the name of Dionysius Exiguus, and he was calculating the dates for Easter. At that time, the calendar was still set and based upon the founding of Rome and upon the emperors of Rome. And this monk decided that it didn't make much sense to him to mark God's time and the time of the Savior Jesus based on these evil emperors, many of them who had persecuted the Christian church. And so he decided to label the year of our Lord's birth Anno Domini. 
in Latin meaning the year of our Lord. When Paul talks about the fullness of time, he's talking about that moment in time when God chose to bring his son into this world, which later on would be divided into B.C., the time before Christ, and A.D., Anno Domini, the year or the years of our Lord. The fullness of time means that God had chosen this time. God had planned for this time. And when it was now the right time, God sent his son to bring us our salvation. Paul says that we were in bondage under the elements of the world. Those of you who may have studied chemistry in high school or college may remember this funny word, stoichiometry. It's the word that Paul uses right here. Stoichiometry is the study of the elements of the universe and the way they interact with one another, such as two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom coming together, create an explosion, and then H2O or water. But what Paul is talking about here is the way some people look at the world as though it's nothing but those elements. It's a spiritless world, a world without God, a world without love, a world without the life of God. If we live that way, we are indeed in bondage to all of those things and to all that nothingness but bare elements. But no, God sent his son into this world to redeem this world. He sent his son into the world because of the spiritual disorder of the world, a disorder that we are all familiar with ourselves. We know how we struggle with bad attitudes, bad choices, bad thoughts. We know that there are others who are worse than us. We know there are still some that even make headlines and are horrible examples of humanity. But it doesn't remove the bad that is in our hearts. I like the phrase that Charles Spurgeon used, if any man thinks ill of you, do not be angry with him, for you are worse than he thinks you to be. That is, deep down in our hearts, we all know there are dark places and there are all and there is in all of us this falling short of the glory of God and true Christians are always sensitive to this and this is why we need the fullness of time why God came into this world to bring it redemption now notice that Paul says he was born of a woman not born of Mary and Joseph that would be a normal birth But Jesus' birth is the virgin birth, born of God and of Mary, the Son of God and the Son of Man. He did so so that he, God, could come into this time, into this progress of existence and events in order to redeem it and purge it of sin and its destruction and its ultimate death. He lifted the crushing load of judgments and condemnation. The wood of the stable where Jesus was born would soon turn into the wood of the cross, only six miles away 
from Bethlehem to Calvary. And there God would redeem us from this bondage to the basic elements and to the sin of this world and of our own hearts. All of history is divided on Christ and centered in him. Paul describes the result of all of this. You see, Jesus didn't just come to Bethlehem in December 25th, the year he was born, but Jesus comes into your hearts and into mine as well. The Spirit brings the eternal vitality of our physical elements and of our redeemed souls. He makes us alive so that we are not just atoms or molecules or physical elements of this world, but we in our spirits, redeemed and renewed in Christ, cry out to God, Abba, Father. And notice how Paul emphasizes that. We call him Father. Jesus is God's Son. We call him Father. That means we also are God's sons and daughters. No longer slaves to the physical elements or the unspiritual elements of this world. Christmas is a gift of freedom. Freedom from the tyranny of sin and the power of sin. This is the fullness of time. This is the whole point of God's creation and of his salvation. It is a constant transformation. Now we are acting in ways that are pleasing to God. Think about the things that change in our lives because of the fullness of time, because of Jesus coming into this world to save us. Pleasure-seeking, often in sinful ways, is transformed into self-sacrificing for others. Jealousy, that problem of never being satisfied with what we have, is transformed into thanksgiving and contentment. Pride, always seeking the applause of others around us, is turned into the humility that seeks rather the glory of God. This desire that we have for power to control things around us turns into submission, reliance on God and trust in Him. Doubt, which is worrying about what can't be known and ignoring what can be known. This doubt turns into trust, trust in the solid truth of God's Word. The birth of Jesus, the fullness of time, the death and resurrection of Christ, and finally, as we just sang in that beautiful hymn, the return of Christ on the last day. All of this is part of that ultimate progress of the existence and events of this world. And the fullness of time especially assures us that whatever changes happen in the new year that is before us, God is working in them ultimately for our good. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. A sanctuary is still uh, beautified by the poinsettias. Do you know what the poinsettia is known as in Spanish? It is called La Flor de Noche Buena, which literally in Spanish means the good flower. But in most Spanish-speaking countries, the Flora de Noche Buena also means Christmas Eve. The poinsettia's flowers look like a star, reminding us of Christ, his birth at Bethlehem, 
and the star that stood over that place of his birth. But the leaves of the poinsettia are red, reminding us as well of the cross and the redemption of Christ. The leaves are green because in Christ's star, light, birth at Bethlehem, in the blood of the cross, he gives us new life, makes us God's own children, heirs of eternal life. This is the beautiful way to think about our time and the times we are living in today. We know the fullness of time. We know the purpose and the goal of the gift of time that God has given to us. We pray for God's blessings in our realization of these things in the year and in the years that lie ahead for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Please rise.